Welcome to the second part of the podcast with Captain G.R. Gopinath, the visionary founder of India's first low-cost airline, Air Deccan, that soared to great heights before the business nosedive. Welcome again, Gopi. I remember when you made headlines for placing an astounding order for 60 Airbus and 10 ATR planes for Air Deccan. 30. 30. Okay. I saw the red carpet treatment that you got in Toulouse way back about 18, 19 years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. 2004, I think. Yeah. How do you feel about the recent orders by Indigo for 500 planes and Air India for 470 planes? What is your reaction when you see this news? There are two, three uh, impressions that come to me. One is, uh, I remember when I went to Toulouse the first time, I actually decided to wind up ITR. In the uh, previous board meeting before I went, they had taken a decision uh, that they were getting no orders and they wanted to shut it. And I just landed there. I had uh, no big funds. I had a small helicopter company. And from out of the blue, I went there and uh, told the ATR. And I gave a small talk there and I said, whatever India may not have, it has a market. There's a new India. And you, if you order a thousand aircrafts, India will still be shot. And uh, so I said, I want to take some ETRs. So after that meeting, they decided, uh, you know, internally not to shut the company. And I ordered 30 ETRs and uh, firm orders and 30 on options. So 60 options means that you have an option to add 30 more. And that sort of revived um, ATR from shutting it down. And um, I took delivery of almost 25 ATRs before I sold the airline to Malia. And then within six months after the launch of the airline uh, in August uh, 2003, I did an inaugural flight uh, from uh, Bangalore to Hubli. For the first time, we put Hubli on the air map. And then I also added, you know, 30 other cities across India. My vision was twofold. One was the making the airline affordable to the common man. But it was also not the common man between Bombay and Delhi or Delhi-Bangalore. I also said I must link all the unconnected towns of India. That's what I said what to do. I said unless the regional towns deep in the bowels of the country, unless they are connected to the metros, the investments will not go there to those rural towns. and. If you really want to have integration of the country, it's not only through just the road and rail uh, and also the internet, but you know, uh, airlines uh, subsume geography, knit the country together. So there's no money that you can price you can put on that. So I started linking all these small towns across India, Rajmandri, Vijaywada, Tirunelveli, Jabalpur, Kualia, Dharamshala, you know, a whole lot of them. And the way I discovered that was once, you know, I sent Krishna, who used to regularly use my helicopter. And he himself called me. I said, uh, normally his secretary would speak. He said, Kopi, I said, I want to go to this temple near Palani. But the helicopter is, you know, it's very noisy and it, it takes two and a half hours. Can I go by plane? And then uh, I said, sir, give me some time. And I told uh, one of my pilots to find out which is the nearest airfield. And he came to me and said, there is an airfield in uh, Madurai. But then again, you had to go by plane to Madurai. And from Madurai, again, you had to go by helicopter to the Palani. You would lose everything. So uh, then he came back again after some time and he said, there is a small airstrip there near Palani. 
in the map it is shown there. I said, go and check it out. So he went there. Uh, he took his GPS and he took an, an engineer with him and he went there. And he called me. He said, sir, I'm on, I'm on the airfield. There's some cows grazing here. It belongs to a textile company. I can land here if I just remove those uh, termite mounds and uh, clear the grass and stubble. I said, just go and talk to the owner of that uh, textile mill. It was an old uh, British uh, mill which somebody had taken over in Tamil Nadu. And he was very happy. He said, you know, I'll be delighted. And uh, then he flew Krishna to that place. And then I discovered through my pilot that, that we had 500 aid strips across the country, many going back to the Second World War time, which the British used to use, someone in the private sector. And that's when this idea came to me that I must connect all these small towns. And uh, so when I went and made that speech in um, the ATR, that fired them up. And then within six months, I ordered 60 Airbuses. So I took delivery of uh, 25 Airbus and 25 ATR. And we had about around 50 aircraft before I merged the airline with the Kingfisher of Bijaya Malia. But the thought that came to me when I saw that newspaper was, of course, it was a chronicle foretold, you know, in, in a sense by me. But I also felt that when the two airlines have grown, that is Indigo and Tata's by merger and various things, the uh, airline sector itself has not grown because uh, there was exit of Kingfisher, exit of uh, uh, Jet Airways, exit of another Prime Air. Then um, Spice is uh, already hit at 100 acres, sent back 50. Oh. Air India shrunk. Go Air has this one. So if you look at net-net, and Air India had not grown for 10 years, uh, Indigo grew, but the consumer base has not expanded. Uh, That's curious, uh, Gopi, you say that, because I read uh, recently that there are over four and a half lakh passengers and 3,000 flights each day in India. Yeah, that is, um, that is nothing uh, uh, much to boast of for a country like ours, because uh, pre-COVID figures, as per the DGCA, in 2019, we were flying 220 million you know, domestic passengers and about 60 million foreign passengers. So 260 million pre-COVID and we have still not crossed that or we have just touched it. So 2019 figures is about 220 million actually to be precise. And even today, it is hovering around that. So 220 million, um, what they call in uh, airline slang is not 250 million different bumps on seats. There are about 40 to 50 million people who are doing frequent traveling. You know, many of them travel five times a month, 10 times a month, especially corporate companies. And some travel once in six months. Uh, the small and medium enterprises may, uh, may travel three times a year. And some travel once, once a year. So in real terms, 40 million to 50 million different passengers traveling means that less than 4% of the Indian population is traveling by air. And uh, in China, for example, it is 650 million tickets which are sold, which is half the population. In Norway, for example, for a population of 4 million, 20 million seats are sold. Europe, which is the size of India, and uh, also, like India, different countries and diff different states here, you have about a billion tickets 1.1 billion tickets sold for a population of 300 million. And in the US, for a population of uh, 350 million, you have again uh, close to a billion tickets. That means four times the population. So from that point of view, it is an anomaly. I think aviation is in a time warp. While all sectors have grown, 
the airline sector has not grown commensurate with the for example the sectors of motorcycles and even automobiles captain gopi what according to you are the reasons for the lack of growth of the airline sector in india i think the first is i think it's because of our policies though mr modi very clearly said congress introduces new laws and we dismantle old laws and he has dismantled quite a few old laws but the aviation is operating under aircraft act of 1934 and aircraft rules of 1937 which is still the mother act under which new rules rules and guidelines are given but it is subject to the mother act and in 1934 when this act was made by the british the helicopter was not invented the jet engine is not was not invented so we are still following the same rules it's very restrictive and uh, apart from delaying expansion it also has increased cost compared to the western countries there are a lot of uh, unnecessary bureaucracies of course uh, no regulator anyway in the world is uh, easy but i think probably the indian regulators are are the most difficult uh, you have to have safety but as someone said you know if you want to discover new lands you have to sail the high seas the ship is uh, safest in the harbor is focusing on more safety a bad thing is like saying let's have uh, seat belts in uh, auto rickshaws for example of course it is safer but will it expand the market no so you would have a balance we did not have seat belts in any car when we had ambassadors about 40 years ago in the fiat car and we did not even have seat belts on the maruti 800 when it was introduced to into india because they wanted to make it affordable so that more people can as so as the economy matured the per capita income uh, rose now we have got all sort of fancy cars the same thing they have loaded the aircraft with so many unwanted things apart from the rules and regulations of maintenance uh, including the training for pilots for example they're all um, heavily overregimented and overregimentation is not only good, bad for the cost it is also not good for maintenance you know aircraft are not safe because you maintain them on the, on the other hand they are more than safe if you over maintain them you have to go exactly as per the manufacturer's regulations and the second i think um, we need more competition not only amongst the airlines for that you need to have lower entry barriers um you know i wouldn't have been able to start an airline if we had huge entry barriers Naresh Goel of Jetways, who unfortunately is now grounded, he was an obscure travel agent, and he cobbled up some money and started the airline. And he probably ran the best airline in the world during his time. It's a different matter. He went astray or lost his focus, and he's in trouble now. So you need lower entry barriers. That's how Narayan Murthy came up, or Kiran Mazumdar came up, or Steve Jobs or Bill Gates. None of them would have been able to succeed in their venture. if you know money was a criteria and as we have seen people with big money have no achieved much in life barring a few exceptions here and there it is uh, high aspirations and low resources big dreams and small resources is always the key to success because entrepreneurs destabilize the status quo they break cartels they create new markets they create uh, a new satisfaction which did not exist before and so it is very important to ensure that you completely 
make the entry level so easy that even an autorickshaw fellow should be able to start an airline. In fact, in Indonesia, where I went and uh, where I attended in the conference, there is a lady there who used to be, Indonesia, for example, has 57 scheduled airlines. Some with one aircraft, single engine, some with two aircraft, some with, no, there's no barrier. There. Anybody can start. A country as, long, as small as that. As small as that. The big population, as small as that. They've got 57 airlines. There's one airline which has been having 300 aircrafts lying here for the last 10 years. And so this lady was a fisherwoman and she used to sell fish. And she found that the fish that would come uh, was usually you know, losing its freshness by the time she received it. That's when she got an idea and took a single engine aircraft and started an airline to get fish for herself. Then when I met her at about 15 years ago, she had about 15 aircraft, single engine aircraft transporting fish. So you need to have, you know, like anybody, anybody can get a teller and start a, start a truck, you know, like in Punjab. In a, in a similar spirit, you know, we should allow airlines to flourish. Then only this country, you will have common people to fly. So the government should ask, what is it that we need to do? to make more people, more common people fly. If you ask that, then it will give you answers what incentives to give and what barriers to remove. And nowadays what is happening is that you are making rules. Each time some airline gets into trouble, they are tweaking the rules for that airline. Air India got into trouble, so they made rules for Air India. Jet Airways got into trouble. In so it's all very ad hoc. Very ad hoc. And third, we also need competition amongst airports. Uh, we have got great airports now. Earlier we had cow sheds, which were inefficient. Public sector, as you know, whether you look at the KEB here or the KSRTC, they're very shabby. While the public sector is inefficient and indifferent, a private sector, if it becomes a monopoly, it's a monster. Any private sector, even if it's Tata's or if it's me, if you may, if it's the other or the newspaper, the only newspaper or the only TV channel, we had only one TV channel with the Dudashin, then we had second TV channel. The first one you put on, you had Indra Gandhi. Second one you put on, you had Sanjay Gandhi. So then we had a flood of uh, TV channels. Suppose you were to say there'll be no Durdashan, but there'll be only one TV channel, Republic TV, for example, or whatever headlines today. Then, then, you know, your sector will not grow. That is from the point of view of the sector, it gives employment, but it's also not good for society and democracy. Same thing here. We need now, today, we, we had only one airport in Bangalore, which is the HLF. It served a purpose, but it was very inefficient and indifferent, both. Then they started a private sector airport, which is the Bangalore International Airport, which is an extraordinarily great airport. But they should not have closed the HLF. They should have had the new airport in competition to the new one. But they put a tender condition, making people invest so much, they said, we can't invest if you have another airport. So not only they said HL will close, they said there'll be no other airport within 100 kilometers, 150 kilometers of Bangalore, which is a shame. Airports must compete with each other. London, for example, has six airports, one city. Bangalore is a great city. Delhi is a great city. London has six airports, all competing with each other. Hong Kong has five airports within 100 kilometers of each other. And each of them are bigger than our airports. So we need to have competition. And the fourth is, when you think of airlines, aviation, what comes to you is airline. Airline is a glamorous part. But you have a whole lot of other components in the 
aviation sector uh, in the takeoff system. You need uh, maintenance. Um, for example, today, almost all our aircrafts are going uh, for the major overhaul of engines and others are going abroad. Indigo doesn't get its aircrafts maintained here. It, it sends it abroad because it is cost prohibitive to maintain it in India because if you want to get any part from outside, then to get the part into the country and then get it out of the customs, still a license raj. So you need to break all those barriers, not just for the airlines, because these are all the various other cogs in the wheel that makes the wheel stronger and turn faster. Similarly, the general aviation of the helicopters, because that is a breeding ground for pilots. Today, we don't have enough pilots in this country. Even today, with hardly this kind of a strength, we have a lot of foreign pilots to whom we are paying you know, an arm and a leg, and they stay in five-star hotels, and every six months they have to go back and come back again for their medical and things like that. So it's a very, very restrictive environment, not just for the airline, but all the other feeders that feed the airline eventually, the cargo airline, for example. Then uh, the Hong Kong airport, for example, alone handles more cargo than all our 100 airports put together. So you need to look at the entire sector so that each you know, strengthens the other and each feeds the other and makes it very strong. Today, for example, Nepal would rather send its engine or other parts for the aircraft maintenance They'll send it to Singapore because he can send the engine to Singapore and get it back in three days. But if he sends it to India, to Delhi, which is just one and a half hours, he won't get it for one month. So none of them, if he can make Nike shoes here for others, and if he can make software here, why aren't we not getting Lufthansa to send their aircraft to India for, for maintenance? Right? We are not getting uh, British Airways their aircraft to India to, you know, because that will generate employment. And so last one is, we built great airports. Along with that, we had multiple airports in each city. But one more thing is that you need to make these big airports hubs, mega hubs. Because India is in the center between Middle East, Europe, and this side of Asia, China, and Japan. And even today, Emirates is probably the world's largest airline in terms of its bigness of size. If you consider the flight in Emirates to go to Paris, it goes to Dubai and Dubai to Paris. Or from here to Dubai, Dubai to London, Dubai to Moscow. So they have created a mega hub there. So anybody who wants to go anywhere in the world, they choose Emirates because it has got easy connectivity. And so to Dubai itself, the number of people who go maybe only 20% of the aircraft. Rest of the 80 go from there to Paris, and from Paris, then again they get down and some go to Africa, North Africa, some go to Brazil, some go to USA, some go to Moscow. So the people who are going to Dubai are transit passengers. That's how they created such a huge job. And similarly in Singapore and similarly in uh, London. If you're going in British Airways, uh, you get down in London and from London you take another flight. All of them are not going through. 90% of them are not going through Air India. So we need to make our Delhi airport and our Bombay airport and our Bangalore, all these big airports. We have to make them into big hubs. There again, we do not have an open sky policy. We should open the skies of India and compete, and we can compete. Uh, look at the automobile sector now. You know, initially they all were productive. They didn't want to allow others to come in, like the Bombay Club. You know, we had only Ambassador car, we had only Bajaj scooters, we had only Mahindra jeeps. Today, the the Mahindra, for example, the new Mahindra, the young Anand Mahindra, he 
took on the challenge instead of going to the government and crying and say give me protection he has reinvented himself today the total number of suvs that mahindra produces is more than the combined suvs of uh, toyota and renault and kia and tatas and benz and everybody put together he mo- makes more suvs than everybody put together similarly bajaj today makes uh, scooters which are competing against the kawasaki's TVS is making scooters competing against uh, Suzuki. They had a collaboration, but they got out of the collaboration. And today they're making uh, great motorcycles competing with the best in the world. So we can compete with them. So we had to remove all these barriers because Indians can compete and it's necessary for them to compete so that they produce better products and uh, Monopoly will ultimately is, will kill the company. Ultimately, they may benefit today because of closeness to government. But in the long run, it will kill them because one day you will find that the world has moved on. So in many sectors, we are competing with uh, foreign companies and we are doing better than them. So the government must open up comprehensively. Uh, then only aviation will grow. So they had to open up our skies so that these big airports, which are now losing money, all of them are losing money. Um, GBK was losing money. That's how he sold it to Adani. GMO was losing money. Finally, he sold it to got, uh, Air France. They're losing money because... The airports are protected, they're charging high, and obviously even the domestic passengers will come down. So Gopi, tell me if you're going to revive your airline business again in some form or the other. Yeah, they say never say never again. Uh, but however, I have no wish to restart an airline right now. I mean, of course, I'm involved in the, the aviation sector as we have a charter company. So I'm doing something in that, uh, some innovations there, something new. But uh, definitely not an airline. It doesn't look likely. Okay. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the charter company? What are the innovations? No, not not, yet, not right now. It's, it's still it's buzzing in my mind. And we are looking at it. So let's see if it uh, it is in the conceptual stage. I think if it takes wings and all, we will know it. <laughs> Wonderful. And yeah. here's wishing you all the best with Thanks. it. Thanks, Alia. Thank, Thank you. you. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya as much as I did. Do subscribe to the podcast. I would love to hear from you. The links are in the bio below. I'll be back soon with another interesting guest. Until then, take care and bye-bye.